anyway, so welcome, welcome to Bible study. That's right, I'll give you a couple minutes to come on onto the screen. And remember, you know, don't worry about it if you haven't been at Bible study uh, for all these months. Um, it doesn't matter because um, you can catch on right where we are. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. As you come on, we'll try to get comfortable here. My normal tech team, Andy, is not here at the moment. <laughs> He's away. And so um, <laughs> I'm doing this myself. I'm not technological. So if anything goes wrong and we lose one another in this, oh well. Nice knowing you. Anyway. <laughs> okay. Well, why don't we give it a start now? All right. So we are still in the book of Matthew. And we are discussing, and have been discussing for weeks now, the Sermon on the Mount, very famous sermon of Jesus. Good morning, everyone. I see this, everyone coming on. Wonderful, wonderful. Welcome. Yeah, um, and so we've been in the Sermon on the Mount. And boy, have we been learning so much about the teachings of Jesus and um, the things he said, what he meant, how maybe some of the things we uh, he said were... We didn't fully understand them, and we've been unpacking those things. And I don't know about you, but for me, I have just been, oh, I feel the rough edge is being knocked off of me in a spiritual sense, and it is so good. Because that's the point, isn't it? That we should become more like Jesus every single day. And how do we do that? With the Word. The Word is like a, a two-edged sword, it says. And, and, and it's able to just cut away all the unnecessary, unimportant bad things that are not good for us and um you know that's what we're doing we're becoming more like jesus we're in the word of god wonderful okay so today we're in matthew chapter 7 and we are in verses 7 through 12. look at me i'm just so unorganized this morning my bible is not actually open to that page i will find it right now here we go found it somewhere on this page yeah okay yeah, there we are. I found it. Okay. So today we're going to talk about ask, seek, and knock. Okay? That's what Jesus is talking about in this portion of the sermon. Remember, we're still in the Sermon on the Mount, which is where a sermon um, that he's telling his followers. So this is not a sermon for the unbelieving. This is not a gospel message. This is for believers, his followers. Um, and he's telling them what the life of a believer is should look like, what the character of a believer is like, and how a believer, one of his followers, um, how we are different from the world. Okay, so in, I believe it was Matthew chapter 6, uh, around verse 5 through 15, that he, Jesus was already spoke a lot about prayer, quite a bit. He talked about prayer. Remember, he said, and when you pray, and he gives advice on, you know, what you should do and when you pray. Okay, uh, so um, he's talked a lot about prayer. Well, he is going to talk more about prayer here. Um, and in my Bible, the, begin, the part of the Bible that we're in today, da, 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 where is it? Come on. Oh, seven, here we go. Um, and we are in verses, what, seven through 12. Yeah, okay. There's a little title above the verses that we'll be reading today in my uh in in my bible and it's this and it says keep asking seeking knocking all right and this is going to be about prayer 
Now, let me read those verses to you. We'll read them together. So go to your Bible, uh, chapter 7, verse 7 uh, to 12. Here we go. I'll read it from my notes. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or, what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law of and prophets. Okay, let's let's talk about this. All right, so like I said, the title of that in my Bible, of that little section, is not just ask, seek, and knock, but it is keep asking, seeking, and knocking. All right, now the reason why it says to keep doing those things, to ask, seek, and knock, and that is, you know, to God in prayer, because, and we always take it back, well, we often take it back to the original, which was written in Greek. These are Greek imperatives in the present tense. Now, that might not mean a lot to you, but what that suggests then here is continued petition. That's what he's saying. That's why it says, that's why we say keep asking, keep seeking, and keep knocking. Because in the Greek, that's what is implied. That you don't just ask once. You don't just seek. And I, I sought God out a little bit on that. I asked him once for that. And he never came through on that. Or I've been, I knocked on the door once, you know, to, to heaven. And that was it. No, we are to keep doing these things. We are to continue doing them always. Okay. And we look and we see that there is a progressive intensity to those actions, to those, to those things. When we ask, seek, and knock, we're seeing progression and different aspects of prayer. Let's, let's look at it, okay? So asking. Asking is verbal, isn't it? We make petitions for our needs and for our wants, don't we? We go to God um, and we ask. We, we ask Him for the things we need, for the things that we want. Um, but like I said, it denotes um, insistent asking, not more than once, okay? Being insistent to God, persistent. Um, and I had a, a little notation in my Bible on the side, and I'm going to read this to you. It says, it says, the word ask denotes insistent asking without qualms. Now, what is a qualm, right? Qualm. It means with no uneasy feelings or doubts or worries or fears. So just come with no worries, no fears, no doubts, and come with that attitude that I have no fear of God. You know, come fearlessly before him. Um, but it also means not commanding, meaning that you're not there being a bossy boots to God. You don't come to God and say, God, you have to do this for me. He doesn't have to do anything for us, okay? We need to remember that. So there needs to be an attitude of humility. Remember, the Bible also bigs up the fact of, of humility and really does not big up the fact of pride in our lives. Um, it says that he resists the proud, um, but not the humble. He, he has all the time in the world for the humble. 
So we don't come, we come fearlessly. We come with no doubts, no worries. Can I approach him? Is he approachable? Uh, I'm a little scared. Don't come with any fears of God. That's what Jesus tells us. And we also do not come, though, in a commanding way. Um, telling God, you must and you have to and you owe me this. He doesn't owe us anything and we mustn't come with that prideful attitude. But we can come solidly presenting a request to someone with the means to offer what's being requested. And that's what we're doing when we're asking God. Why are we asking God? Because God could do anything. And we need to come to God knowing he can do anything, right? Also, this verse here in Hebrews 4.16 backs up what I'm saying. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. I noticed something there. Let's come boldly to the throne of grace. He could have said, come to this very judgmental throne. Come to this throne of an angry God. Come to this, come boldly before this throne of, and he could have said anything. But he says, come boldly um, unto uh, the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. We are told and even commanded to, to go before God asking, asking in a persistent way, in a bold way, um, with an understanding that we have to, we can come boldly with no fear, no fear before God, no qualms. Remember that word qualms, but we have to come, not commanding him what to do, but we can solidly present our request to someone we know has, has what we need. Okay, we know that he can do for us what we are asking. And that's faith. Faith is, is coming to God and knowing he's got everything we need. That, you know, that assurance that we believe in him, okay? Now, uh, let's see. Now, if it is... Ask and keep on asking, and that's what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is telling us to, um, that what we're supposed to have in this moment of asking to God is we're coming with a prayer of passion. Passion. If you're taking notes, write that down. A prayer of passion. What is passion? Passion is when it is with your whole heart. Did, did you ever, um, in, when someone in a, in, a, in a love story or in a poem is is presenting their love to someone. Imagine if they're presenting it like, yeah, you're great, you're really wonderful, really love you, yeah, yeah. That's no passion, but if they present that in a passionate way with their heart feelings, with everything within them, that is going to be taken note of by the person it's being presented to, and so it is with God. When Jesus asks us to ask and keep on asking, he wants us to Ask with passion. You know, when there is something we're coming to God for, let it be something that truly means something to us, that, that we want so badly, that, that, and convey that to him in speaking with him. We convey our heartfelt desires to him and, and convey that it's okay. It's okay if sometimes we have to ask God and there's tears because it means so much to us. Or, or we get a little loud. God's not bothered by that. Or if we lift our hands. Or if, if we're so moved with the passion in our heart for, for what we're asking that, that we fall to our knees. You know what? That's okay. 
It's okay to show your passion for God. Jesus says, ask and keep on asking. So it is a prayer with passion. And there was a point in one of my commentaries that I was reading, and it made so much sense, and it was this. How can we ask God to care about what we don't truly care about? So you're asking God to care about something and do something for you. That doesn't mean much to you after all anyway. You know, think about that. We want to present the things to God that we are passionate about in a passionate way. Okay? If you present passionless prayers, how can we expect him to take it seriously? Okay? Okay. So, um, also, this scripture, I love this. This is also about prayer. Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything. I think we may have talked about this last week. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, pre present your requests to God. All right? Um... Again, that, that talks about the importance of prayer. If prayer was important to Jesus, he prayed and he prayed often and he went away on his, he was always disappearing off, away from his, his um, disciples and from his guys that he was traveling with. And he would go and he'd have private prayer times with the Father. It was important to him. And, and Jesus even says, um, or the scriptures even say in Philippians, that we are to come to God, um, and not hold anxiety in our, our hearts, but to, to come before God with thanksgiving. We present our requests to God. When we're before God and we're presenting it with um, thanksgiving, that's a way we can approach God as well in our asking. Come before Him. You know, thank Him for the things He has already done, even before you ask Him for the things you need now. Okay? Come, come with thanksgiving in our hearts. Thanksgiving is a joyful thing. We have thanked him for all that he's given us. You know, that's, that's, we don't do that in a mournful way. We do that in a way of um, gracious, you know, graciousness and, and thankfulness and joy in our hearts that he has done these things for us. And we're so glad. So that helps us in our coming to God and presenting our, our requests with passion. Okay, that's part of, part of it is this thanksgiving. And we are to remember that as we come and as we ask, Jesus is saying this because in the very next verses that follow the ask, the seek, the knock, he goes right into how God is a father and a good father and how he's a, a father who wants to give good gifts to his children. So he goes immediately into, um, into the thought that uh, to remember that our relationship with God is that of parent and child, all right? We are a father-child relationship. And we see that in the verses just following, um, verses 9 through 11 of, of Matthew 7, um, where Jesus is reminding us that God is a good father, the best father, much better than a human father. Um, now, speaking as a parent, and I know if you have, are a parent out there, then you're going to relate to this. But I'm sure anyone can relate to this if you have been a child with a parent or a carer over your life, is that a child um, has both needs and wants, don't they? My children um, have needs. They need food, they need water, they need shelter, they need love, and I provide those things, and I provide those things with joy. And um, But I also provide things that they just want, that they don't necessarily need. How about toys? You know, when they're children, we buy them toys. Toys are not really a necessity to life. Not really. It's not, you won't die. 
from malnourishment without a toy. Um, and in the end, you know, a child turns everything into a toy. You know, they turn a stick into a toy or, you know, uh, little plastic things that you throw in the bath for them to play with. They become, you know, things that they turn into toys. So do I need to provide toys for them that I buy for them? You know why I buy the toys for them? You know, things that they want, things that they've said, I so want that, I want that video game, or I so want that, uh, whatever it is. And I do that often, not all the time, but often I will give them the things they want out of my sheer love for them out of my desire to bless them um, because I just love to do good things for them. And Jesus talks about that where he says, you know, and you being evil, and he doesn't mean we're necessarily like we think evil, you know, I think we tend to think like um, Adolf Hitler or something like that. You know, evil to God is, um, is the flesh, is the fleshly nature. Is, is our selfish, old, Adamic nature. You know, before um, we were made into new creations. You know, in Christ, um, we are delivered from sin. Um, we are delivered from that evil nature. But, you know, even though we are uh, new cre creation, my tongue is like tied this morning. Even though we are new creatures in Christ, we still have the ability to sin and do wrong. Okay, we still do wrong. And even us who still do wrong, believers who still do wrong, well, let's not even go there. Let's go to just people who are not even believers at all, who are just a good parent. They, be, having no nature of Christ in them, no new creation in them yet, because they haven't asked Jesus, that they haven't received that gift of salvation, they still, there's often so many, know how to be a good parent, know how to give good gifts, to their children. Let's think about that. Isn't God an even better parent than even that than any parent on this earth? Any parent. He's better. If a if a parent who just has no knowledge of God in their life at all knows how to give a good gift and desires to give good gifts to their children, how much more our heavenly Father Jesus says those words. And we're going to talk more about that in a little bit. Okay. So, um now, it also says here in this, in this scripture that the reward for asking is that those who ask shall receive. Okay? So there is a reward for asking, and that is receiving. Mark that down in your, in your notes. So let's talk about seek. We did ask, right? That's ask, bringing your petitions. We talked about a little bit about how to ask and um, the heart we approach God with as we ask. And what is the reward? Receiving. Now let's go to seek, okay? You know, our seeking. What are we seeking for when we come to God in prayer? Well, we seek after Him, after His presence, right? That's something we seek after. We want to know Him more. We seek after His Word. What does He have to say to us? You know, we pray. We look into, prayerfully look into the Scriptures and say, Holy Spirit, reveal what God is saying through the word, open my spiritual eyes, help me to understand what is being said. Reveal yourself through your word, reveal what you mean through your word. Um, we come to God asking for wisdom that we don't have, and we say we need your wisdom, God. We come for uh, help, for help with all the things we need, with all the things that we can't do, with, with all of our 
um, inabilities and the, and the things we don't have. We say, God, I need you. I need your help. So we come with, for help. And again, Jesus says, it's not a one-off. Keep seeking. You don't just, well, I sought God once on that. You know, I opened my Bible. I had a quick read through um, and I did it. There you go. I did it. No, we keep seeking. You know, our whole life, we'll never know God uh, as fully as we want to know him in this life. We'll never do it. It'll never happen. We, we can keep seeking him and he's a, a treasure trove that just keeps unfolding. Remember, he's eternal. So there's so much to him and he reveals aspects of himself and he reveals pieces of his character through the word of God and, and his heart and his nature. And, but we, we never um, will fully know him in this life. And so we have to keep seeking that hungry heart inside of us that wants to keep seeking and we keep doing it. We have to keep seeking for his help constantly. Keep seeking for his wisdom with persistence and again with passion, right? That persistence, um, it comes also with passion. Um, and this is backed up throughout the word of God. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will find me when you seek for me with all your heart. How about this? James 4, 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Um, how about Hebrews 13, 5? He will never leave you and he will never forsake you. Which means he's not hiding. He's right there. He's right there to be found, to be discovered, to learn about. And God wants you to learn more about him. He's not hiding. He'll never leave you or forsake you. He's right there. He's not, you know, some distant far and I must reach him. No, he's right there. And he wants you to search him out. Okay, so that's the seek part. What is the reward that the scripture says here? It says, and those who seek will find. That's the reward. Reward for seeking him in prayer is finding. Okay, let's go to knock. So we did ask, we did seek, and now Jesus says, knock. Now here's a quote from the Blue Letter Bible Commentary, and it said this, and I just thought, it really made sense. The idea of knocking. Now remember, I talked about that there was a progression to these. Asking is just verbal. Seeking is going a little bit further. It's, it's more than just verbal. You're using your mind now and you're, you're searching the scriptures and you're asking God, um, tell me more about you. Give me the answers I need. Give me the wisdom I don't need. So that's, it's incorporating more of the mind there. Now knocking is actually, it's, it's, it's using a bit more force, isn't it? Knocking, right? You're, you're doing something. Uh, the idea of knocking also implies that we sense resistance. This is what I read in the commentary. After all, if the door were already open, there would be no need to knock. Yet Jesus encouraged us. Even when you sense that the door is closed and you must knock, then do so and continue to do so and you will be answered. Isn't that beautiful? That that is a promise of God. It says knock and the door will be opened to you. Um, and also, if you're meant to be knocking on a door, then this implies that the door can be opened. All right, what you're, what you're knocking on to, to, to get further into um, 
into what God has for you, into, into what you're asking God for. Open the door for me, God, in this area. The door can be open. And Jesus is encouraging us that even, even if, turn the page here, even if you're sensing that the door is closed about something you're praying for, that you should knock and keep on knocking. Keep on knocking. Now, I've heard many people say, Oh, that's Jesus for that once. He heard me. Now that is one approach. And yes, we know that he hears us. Jesus, Jesus said it about Lazarus. He says, I know you hear me. I know you always hear me. Jesus said that. He hears us when we pray. The Father hears us when we pray. And he is, and he's not forgetful. So yes, he remembered that you asked for that thing. But this scripture says, Ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. You know what? You asking more than once is something God wants you to do. It's not for him that he's forgetful. Like, oh, he forget. I believe, in a sense, it is to show our passion. It is to show our obedience to his word. And it's also... Um, you know, it's, it's to show like how important it is again for us. It, it's, it's almost more for us than it is for him. I think what I'm trying to say, Jesus isn't forgetful. God, the father is not forgetful, but I believe in a sense, Jesus is telling us to do this and it, it is more for us, you know, to show ourselves our own passion for the thing we want. Are we willing to do that? Are we willing to go before the Father repeatedly with passion and ask for these things? Um, now, although knocking is a hardier approach to asking and searching, um, it's much more, you know, it involves a little bit more oomph, right? Jesus isn't saying, go and break the door down. <laughs> we only have to knock. Okay, for me, it shows that I'm not begging. I'm not, a, I'm not a beggar, I'm this child. And I'm going, and he's reminding us, Jesus is saying this, to remember that father-child relationship. We don't go to our parent and beg. We don't beg for the things we need. I give my children love and food and water and shelter purely because I love them. They do not have to beg me for those things. If my child says, I'm so thirsty, I'll get them a glass of water. It's not a problem. You know, they only have to knock. For, like I said, it shows that um, I'm not begging to God. I'm not trying to forcefully get what I want from him. I must forcefully, you know, get through that door. God is so reasonable. God is so reasonable. Just knock and keep on knocking, okay? Remember in our asking, in our seeking, and in our knocking, remember the relationship, child-father. Remember that. And even if you didn't have a good relationship with your father, you know, we know still what a good relationship looks like. You wouldn't know you had a bad relationship with your father if you didn't know what a good relationship looked like. So you have an understanding, no matter how bad your relationship was with your father, with a parent, that maybe this is, is causing you to think, well, I have a problem with the asking, seeking, and knocking, and coming boldly because I had a bad relationship with my parent. You have some understanding of what a good one 
is based on the fact that you you know what a bad one is. You only know it's bad because you know what's good, right? Okay, so remember in your asking, seeking, and knocking that he is a good father. Jesus points that out in verses 9 through 11 of chapter 7. Okay, what is the reward? Now remember, there was a reward for asking. There was a reward for seeking. And there is a reward for knocking. And the reward is this, and it shall be opened unto you. Okay, one, and, and so Jesus is showing, is telling us that there are rewards to prayer, that, um, that prayer is important, that, that um, it, is one, it is a way that we come to God and um, make petitions, come before the king, come before the throne. Um, and we can do so knowing he is a good father, the best father, that he has a kind and good heart and that he is approachable. So we know all these things. And Jesus is encouraging us again for the second time in the Sermon on the Mount. He just, he did a whole thing on prayer, did other stuff. And now he comes back to asking, seeking, knocking, and coming to the Father in prayer. Prayer was very important, very, very important to Jesus. And if Jesus, and we always have to remember this, and I've said this at the beginning of all of my, my chats on the Sermon on the Mount, is that we have to remember who is talking. Jesus. Jesus. Who is Jesus? Jesus is part of the Trinity. I don't want to get too much into that and cause confusion. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, three are separate, but yet are one. So Jesus is God. And the Bible calls him Emmanuel. That is the, the banner over Jesus' life. Emmanuel, God with us. God with us comes to the earth in bodily form, gives a sermon, and talks to his followers about the importance of prayer. I say this most weeks, that if I were to have some inside information, and I were to send out a, a, a group text to all of you and saying, listen, God himself is going to give a sermon today. It's going to be at such and such, such and such time on Ports Downhill, right here in Portsmouth, and it's and it's going to be at such and such time, be there and you will hear a sermon given by God himself. That's this sermon. If you were going to be at that sermon, if, if that was a, you know, a certain thing that, G, that he was going to be at a, you know, at, at a venue and you knew it, and you were going to get there because you're like, I want to hear a sermon by God. This is that sermon. It's recorded in the Bible. And, so, and, and, and it blows my mind that prayer is important. And then it also blows my mind that I know many Christians who don't put importance on prayer. They don't think it's that important. And, and I'm not sure why. It could be because they have not gotten a lot of answers to their prayer. Maybe they didn't pray many passion-filled prayers. Um, maybe, uh, I don't know, there could be a million reasons why somebody is not convinced. You know, maybe they're not convinced of the scriptures. I don't know. But if, if God comes in human form, gives a sermon to his followers, and puts importance on prayer and says, ask, seek, knock, and keep on doing it. Come before God. He's good. He gives good gifts. He, just, he has a desire to do good for his children. Then I'm just going to do it. <laughs> I, you know, as his children, as his followers, and remember this sermon is for his followers, he's telling us, a very, very important part 
of being a child of God, of being a believer, and that is prayer. You know, prayer and, and passion-filled, intense prayer and coming before God boldly. All right. So the reward for, um, for knocking is the door shall be opened. Now, there's one problem that many people have with this scripture that I've just talked about, ask, seek, knock, and then all these rewards that are to come um, that seem like promises. Uh, it, it almost seems, and this is the problem some have, is that like God is writing us a blank check for whatever a person wants in prayer. And that God is obligated to give those things because he said it right here. Look, I have it in writing. Um, and some people take this scripture and almost treat God like he's a genie in a bottle. You know, I'm going to rub the lamp, make my wish, and my wish must come true because he said it. Or a slot machine, you know, prayer in like a coin, pull the slot machine, boom, answer out. You know, coins come out. Um, prayer in, answer out. And that is not the case. That is not the case. I mean, even if you've heard me say those things, that he's like a genie in a bottle or like a slot machine, I'm sure those words don't sit well with you. Of course he's not a genie in a bottle. Of course he's not like a slot machine. Now, in John um, chapter 14, Jesus says this, okay? And this verse would almost back up the fact that people treat God like a genie in a bottle, okay? It, it, almost, here. Hear this scripture out. Uh, John 14, he says, Jesus says, very truly I tell you, I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. So that just brings me to this question and I think it's important that we talk about it if we're talking about prayer because this is a point of contention that some people turn away from God and say, God is not real, or God doesn't really answer prayer, or God doesn't care. He's there, but he doesn't care, you know, or whatever. And so I think it is super important to talk about it. Why are some of our heartfelt, passionate requests not granted to us? If these verses are in the Bible, then why does some prayer seem to go unanswered? Okay. Um... The promise seems to give us the right to ask for anything and, and everything we want. And Jesus, it seems like that Jesus is obligated to give it to us, right? But is that really what the Lord is saying here? It, we have to consider this, okay? In the context of that scripture that I just read, not, not the one from Matthew um, that we're discussing today, but the one from John chapter 14 where he says, ask anything in my name and I will give it to you. Um... Jesus is speaking, you have to look at it in context, okay? Jesus is speaking to his disciples to comfort them in this moment. He's just told them that he's going away and that they can't follow him where he's going. And he's speaking of his death and his resurrection to his followers. So he's trying to comfort them. And he's telling them here not to be afraid, you know, that he's going, that he will return to, to collect them one day. And he goes on to say... Ask in my name, you know, and I'll do it. And he's encouraging them in the work that, that he's leading them to do. You know, he's leaving them with the Great Commission here. Um, and he's encouraging them that, that he's going to be there. He's going to still hear them. He's still going to answer prayers. So Jesus is not promising to be a personal vending machine, but rather he's encouraging confidence 
and faithfulness in prayer. The Father, you know, willingly grants our requests because of, of Jesus standing, right? Because of who Jesus is. Um, and of course, if we're asking th for things um, that we don't need, let's say, or that are contrary to the character or will of Christ, then we can't expect those things. You know, let's say we're asking for things that are contrary to um, things of God, and we're asking for them. Now, now we, you know, it has almost been presented, and, and people preach this, that, you know, it's just a blank check. You can have anything you want. You know, it also says in the scriptures that we're reading today, you know, is he, is he going to give you a serpent? If you ask for bread, is he going to give you a snake? No, because he doesn't give us things to harm us. And because, um, so, so there are some things that are not going to come to us. If God knows that something that we ask for is going to be harmful to us, even if we are not aware that it could be harmful to us. Maybe our character can't sustain something. Maybe down the line, the thing that we asked for isn't the thing that is best for us. As a parent, again, I know that with my children, they've asked for things and I've said no. Or I've said, um, let me think about it. And, you know, I've thought about it. And then I've said, ultimately, this thing isn't going to be helpful to them. Um, and I've not given the thing to them. Um, so, you know, there, there go, is going to be things that are not going to be given to us that we ask for. Things that are not in God's will. Things that are not, that are contrary to his character or will. Um, we, we can't expect to receive those things. Um, let me read to you James chapter 4 verse 3. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. So there are times that we are asking for things and they may not even be bad things. I'm not saying you're asking for terrible things or that God, in the scripture it's not saying you're asking for, for terrible things, but it may not be the things that God thinks is necessary for you to have. Um, you may be asking with wrong motives. Only God knows everything. He sees, you know, down the line of our life. He sees ultimately the things that are not going to be conducive to, to good goodness in our life. And, um, and he will withhold those things. And as a parent, I fully get it. I don't, um, well, let me keep going here. Here's a quote from um, an article uh, by the uh, people called Got Questions uh, on the verse, Whatever You Ask in My Name. And this is what it says, this quote. When he said he would give whatever you ask in my name, Jesus was not delivering magical form, a magical formula for getting whatever we want. He was giving us a guiding principle to align one's desires with God's. When we pray in Jesus' name, we pray according to the will of God. We pray for what will honor and glorify Jesus. You know, let us think back. I know some people might not agree with what I'm saying. All I'm saying is think about these things. Consider this, that even when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he was going to die, you know, he was going to give his life a sacrifice, he made a request to the Father and it was this, Lord, if you could let this cup pass from me, meaning this cup of bitterness, this terrible thing that I have to go through, 
um, you know, because it, it, it even entailed, think about it, more than just the physical horror of being put on the cross, as if that was not enough. He was then going to spiritually bear all of the sins of the world for forever on his own self. I mean, that in itself must have been mental and spiritual anguish beyond anything we can understand. He was going to go through more than we can understand. It was going to be horrific. One day we might understand more fully of this in heaven. When we get there, we see the wounds in his hands. And when we just fully more understand what the grace and the mercy that had been extended to us. But he prayed that, let this cup pass from me, this terrible thing. And it was, like I said, in regard to his cruci crucifixion. But he also said this, like in the next breath. But, look, but God, not my will be done, but your will be done. He had a request, but then he said, God, if that's not your will, then scratch that. Your will be done. Jesus had a desire and he asked God, but he was also willing for his own desire to be bypassed to ensure that God's will was done. And, and we know God's will was done. And that, dis that request he made, that he said, if you can do this, God, um, it was bypassed. He didn't get the request that he asked for. The will of God came through in that moment. He said, not my will, but your will be done. Okay, so uh, there's another article. And this was from, uh, this is just a very interesting thought, okay? Um, in the, and I want you to consider it. Now, if the article is from a magazine online called Premier Christianity, and it was about this scripture, Ask, Seek, Knock, and the title of the article was Why We've Misunderstood Jesus' Teaching on Prayer, and it was by a man called David Instone Brewer. He's a, a pastor, and it was written in 2021. Anyway, here's a quote from that article. I gave you that article, and let me read you this quote. Why potentially we are misunderstanding this and thinking it's just Jesus said he'll do everything we said, you know, in his name. Let's, let, let me read this quote. The emphasis we hear is that if we pray, we'll receive what we want. Find what we seek and the doors to our goals will be open. But this isn't actually what Jesus is saying. And anyway, it isn't true in anyone's prayer life. We don't always get what we want, however persistently we pray for it. Now that's kind of true, isn't it? I mean, it's not kind of true, it's absolutely true. We could all say there have been times we made heartfelt, the most heartfelt requests um, for maybe someone's healing or, or, or maybe some job we wanted and we didn't get the job, you know? Now, this is also from that article. So that, that's the quote I made, that, you know, we don't always get what we want is the truth, right? So then what was Jesus saying? In English, when we read these verses, we stress the words receives, finds, and open. Now, please bear with me here. Remember that we always, we can always look back at the Greek to understand things more fully. Now, from my understanding, this man who's written this article has a pretty decent understanding of Greek. Okay, he does. And he's written about this in its original Greek. And I just found this super interesting. So I want you to hear this. As English people, we stress the words receives, finds, and opened. However, the emphasis in the original Greek was different. To understand their meaning in English, we have to turn them around. Now, this is what it would be in Greek, okay? And this 
just kind of made sense to me. Now listen, this is what it says in the Greek. To, un um, to receive something, ask. To find something, seek. To get the door open, knock. For everyone who receives has been asking, and those who find have been seeking, and those for whom the door is opened have been knocking. You know, and, and then this bit. The three verbs, will receive, will find, will open, those are the, the rewards, right, are confusing. Because in English, where it says will receive, and you will find, and it will open, it implies that those are promises. Now listen, what this article is now saying is that in the Greek, that these are not certainties, certain outcomes, but rather it's a person, Jesus is saying, listen, okay, I, I, I'm going to use this and I don't want anyone to be offended, but there was this lottery that um, wanted, I just remember the advert, I'm not advocating lotteries, okay, I am not in any way advocating a lottery, but what I am saying is this, that there was this slogan, because they wanted people to join the lottery, you know, buy, go out, buy their lottery ticket. And this was it. it the, the, the statement they made was, you got to be in it to win it. And in a sense, Jesus is saying that here, if it is to be understood according to the original Greek. Jesus is saying, how could you expect anything if you're not even asking? How could you, you know, um, you know the ones who are going to bind are the ones who have been searching. The ones who have going to get a door opened are the ones who are knocking on a door. Do, do you understand that? Um, I'm hoping that I've made that clear enough. And um, But what is important here is that this, this article shows in the Greek that Jesus is directing his listeners rather than to the outcomes of prayer, which of course are important. Of course they're important. Why do we pray? Because we want outcomes, don't we? We want doors opened. We want wisdom. We want all the things. We, and our, we want our needs met. We want our needs met. But Jesus is actually, if you are to understand it according to the Greek um, translation, that he's directing his listeners rather than the outcome, the outcome to the urgency of prayer itself. That prayer in itself, that coming into the presence of God, brings its own reward. You know, just that in itself. There will be outcomes, you know, but... There is a reward even in the sense that Jesus is saying, listen, if you are a follower of God, then you will be a praying person. You will be an asking person. You will be a seeking and knocking person. And that, yes, we come with expectation that we will receive. But are you even doing these things is what he's saying. Okay, I hope I made that clear to you. Also to, to remember again this is just reiterated. We are in relationship and not religion with God. You've heard this probably if you've been a Christian for even five minutes. This is not a religion. This is a relationship. But it's true. Jesus is going to tell his listeners in those verses 9 through 11 that God is a good father. This is about seeing God as our father, a parent-child relationship. And we are to come to prayer in that way. What parent gives everything that this child asks? No parent does that. And God is a good father and knows all, sees all, wants to be in relationship, wants to be talking with you, wants you to be asking and searching so you'll even know him more. Okay, 
So let's discuss verses 9 through 12. Jesus is telling us that God, God wants to give his children good gifts. He wants to give us good gifts. He points out that even the best human parents are sinful, and yet they desire to give good gifts to their children. Um, and, and I want to point out those, those words, that if a sinful person wants to do good for their children, Jesus says, how much more? I love those words. How much more? Jesus said it. How much more does your heavenly father want to give good gifts to his children? Jesus said that. How much more would his, the heavenly father? You see, when we approach prayer, we need to approach prayer knowing this. How much more does our heavenly father want to give good gifts to his children? We need to approach him knowing he's good, knowing he's love. Knowing he is kind, not that he's harsh and judgmental and wants to smack us around. That is not how we are to come to him. And that bears meditating on that those words, how much more. Because God's goodness is something we need to always be thinking about forever for the rest of our life. We need to be meditating on that. Why? Because circumstances around us are blaring in our faces and trying to tell us, Every single day that God is not good, that God is not present, and that God does not love us, God does not care. Circumstances and things from this life and in our life are trying to say, God's not good. Look what happened to that person. God's not good. But we need to look at the truth of the scripture and be reminding ourselves that God is good. We live in a broken world that, might I add, we broke. You know, Adam and Eve, back to the garden opened the door they opened a door to sin and it came flooding into this world and one day the scripture says there will be a new heaven and a new earth and it will be completely redeemed in that sense that day has not come and we still live on an earth that's broken our eternal salvation is secure that's all done but one day you will have a uh, resurrected body and we will live in a new earth where there is no more uh, brokenness, you know, where there is no more horrible things that happen on this earth, you know, and, uh, but we don't live there right now. That's heaven. <laughs> That's not here. That's not now. Bad things do happen and bad things even do happen to good people. But God promises that he will never leave us and never forsake us. And he is always with us. And he, you know, I recently, one of my favorite scriptures is a scripture from Isaiah where it says, he holds our hand, you know, that I'm holding your hand. He says, you know, hand in hand with our Father, with our Savior, we go through what we go through in this life. Okay? Um, and if we can get a grasp, even a little bit of the goodness of God in our life and get, get some kind of revelation about that in our life, um, uh, you know, that He's good, then whether He gives us what we ask in the way that we expected or not, that he is still good, you know, he is still love, then we'll not judge him to be evil or mean or unloving when things don't go our way. Okay. But, you know, we'll be able to say that we just don't know all the facts. And that's true. I don't know all the facts in a situation of why something didn't happen when I prayed, why I didn't receive the thing I asked. I don't see the whole picture. God knows what's best, and we have to trust him. We have to trust him. And the best way, and maybe the only way, to keep our heart right with God when things don't go our way is through relationship with God. 
remembering what Jesus pointed out, that how much more does our Heavenly Father desire to do good and give good to His children? Um, even when we don't understand, um, we have to remember that the truth is that He loves us and He is good. Okay, verse 12 in uh, the scripture here, we're going to end with this. Jesus is now going to summarize how he wants the believer to treat others um, in what has been termed as the golden rule. Okay, he's ending here with, with this bit, and I'm going to just have a quick read of it so you know what I'm talking about. Um, Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. So I'm just going to end right here. Um, let's see, where's Okay, yes, that has been termed the golden rule of Jesus. Um, and he's showing us, uh, he's actually summarizing what he's talked about throughout, many times in the Sermon on the Mount. Um, and what he's saying is all the law and the prophets that, you know, they've been taught, what is to us what we call the Old Testament, um, that the golden rule is this, um, talks about how we should treat others. And that's the golden rule. The golden rule says, um, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Okay, That's do unto others as you want done unto yourself. That is termed the golden rule. And it's a way in which Jesus is saying, this is how we are to treat others. We need to have an understanding that treat others the way you want to be treated. And um, just just to end, I mean, all the statements of Jesus are amazing and bear, you know, us thinking about and, and meditating upon. Imagine if all believer, believers had this revelation of do unto others what you want done unto yourself. We would have a much better understanding of how to treat other people. If we all understood this better, I mean, we would be like, wow. You know, we would, we would see such a shift in our marriages in, um, in our family life, um, in our friendships, um, in, in our workplaces, in how we treat our colleagues. Do unto others as we want done unto ourselves. And that's how Jesus ends this little segment that we talked about today. All right, I'm going to go now and I'm going to finish off and just say have a wonderful week. I hope all this made sense to you. I hope this week that you are persistently asking, seeking, and knocking on the door to our good, good Father who loves us. And um, hey, you got to be in it to win it, right? <laughs> okay, have a great week. Goodbye.